0: Let's begin with an uh, aspiration and a wish to awaken quickly for the sake of all sentient beings. May we all awaken quickly for the sake of all sentient beings. May we accomplish quickly the stages of liberation. May we become fully compassionate, fully imbued with wisdom. So tonight is uh, often what I call introductory orientation, and I'm never quite sure what the scope of it will be. But my plan is uh, tomorrow to give one class tomorrow in the evening. And um, mainly just because of, of quite a bit of jet lag. And it's been so much movement around from India, Europe, Europe to Vancouver, down here, that I just need to be a little careful of um, what time zone I'm in and this sort of thing. So, so far, so good in the, in the early evening. Uh, but also, I want you to um, settle yourselves in and um, to understand that this is primarily, this retreat is primarily. Um, a uh, a Mahamud retreat, an insight retreat which is going to have a bit of a free flowing quality, perhaps a little bit different than you're used to in the sense that we're going to use uh, what's called the 12 examples of emptiness, the 12 examples of illusion, not so much emptiness, the 12 examples of illusion uh, which is quite high but is very accessible to all of you. But the number one thing to remember is uh, if there's not a foundation of loving-kindness laid, it's going to be very hard to do. And of course, loving-kindness and compassion is the entire foundation of the path. And sometimes it gets mistaken, especially when people do a rush to get emptiness. Forget it. Uh, but Or a rush to become wise, a rush to become um, enlightened. And uh, the big slip-up, of course, is not enough uh, profound depth of compassion and loving-kindness. So, being very traditional, the best thing you can do for the next number of days, and actually for the rest of the retreat, but next number of days, is seep yourself uh, in loving-kindness and compassion. So I'll speak about that tonight. The As an introduction, the 12... Uh, examples, signs, I prefer examples, of illusion which bring the mind or contemplations to emptiness um, have been existing in the Indian uh, insight tradition for a very long time, but they've never really been put together into a package. Only uh, in the six yogas tradition, in the illusory body meditations, uh, are there some um, descriptions, allusions to it, but actually they come from a tradition from ancient India called the Prajnaparamita tradition, and they're found scattered, sometimes in groupings and sometimes not, scattered through what's called the Prajnaparamita tradition from ancient India, which is started to arise about three, four hundred years after the Buddha's passing away. These examples are so powerful and so direct. Uh, you'll be amazed by it but it's really something you have to let your mind be very relaxed and very open and we're going to use everything in the environment including going to into town as meditation you think well I must be very silent but actually I'm going to want you to go into town organized adventures into town to actually practice these examples And we're gonna probably do one per day so twelve days pick 12 days, I have to look at the calendar and work it out, but probably one uh, type of insight meditation theme per day for 12 days and then the rest is developing that. Uh, What's so wonderful today is these 12 examples of illusion uh, can now be explained so well with modern neuroscience. This is, this is wonderful. So, in fact, today's modern neuroscience gives quite an aid to understanding these, what the nature of illusion is, and how thick we are in illusion. So now, let me get back to the basic problem. You've probably, some of you've heard these teachings over and over again, but it's very good to hear it again and again and again. Uh, this morning, a couple was asking me uh, after breakfast. They just were sitting next door, next next to uh, we were sitting. From Washington, and they were asking—they uh, are really f- asking me why I was here. So I was trying to find every other reason to say why. But eventually, they, you know, and for instance, why—why why is the resort up here booked? <laughs> they're looking. Do you know why it's booked? We tried to get in there, but it's booked. I said, "There's a retreat going on." Oh, there's a retreat. What kind of retreat? So it went on like, they're, they're like this. But the, one of the questions they're asking, well. Really, why, why do people do a month? Like a month of retreat, like that's just unheard of. A month, I said, that's short. It's really short. But why would anybody do that? So the underlying question is, before you do any meditation, this is very traditional, this is not, not from Lama Mark speaking, oh, I'm speaking it, but it's absolutely classically the case. Is if you don't know why you're meditating and you don't have it straightened out as to the view of meditation, meditation it becomes a a rote technical exercise that has no lifeblood in it and always dries up and gets sour. In some ways, I believe if you just hear the view for years, because when we come to what's called the the, the pristine The highest teaching of Guru Yoga, it really is the meditation is the Lama pointing to the nature of mind, and that's actually all you need. Some teachers, or some uh, great masters, that's that's all that ever happened for them. (laughs) They just listened to their teacher, they just felt, they listened completely clearly to the nature of that being's mind, and that delivered them to liberation. The view of where you're going and why you're going and clarifying that is way more important sometimes, more often, than this kind of rigidly sitting or doing an exercise without having a really lovely feeling why you're doing it, where it's going. I, I meet all kinds of people who've been meditating for years. Years. And they say, well, I still have the same afflictive emotions, and I'm not really sure why I'm doing it, but I've been watching the tip of my nose for now ten years. And nothing's happened. But I've been doing the meditation. They say, so, well, you've never been doing the meditation. And, well, but I, I got this instruction from a Burmese teacher, a Thai teacher, a Western teacher, and I've been doing it. Well, how come it's not working? Because you're not actually meditating, and you don't know why you're meditating, and you don't have the view of meditation, and the entire basis, the culture of why you'd ever meditate is missing out of your life. This is serious. And this is very much a Western problem because you want the prescription drug without the surround of the healing, right? the environment of healing. So we have to go back to understand why the 12 examples of illusion, before we even get the question of illusion, and reality, is way before that we have to see why we'd even be here. That's the first thing. Why are we here? And this is where I'd like you to start, is uh, starting now, and for the next number of days, I want you to bore in, in a loving, compassionate way, and ask yourself, Not in any negative way, but examine why you want to meditate, why you want to be here, what's driving you, and then reflect, perhaps what's driving you is driving every single human being on the planet, every single day, all day long, in search of freedom. This is important. So, before you ever sit down and meditate, I almost don't want you to meditate at the moment. I'd rather you just sit comfortably, wherever you sit or stand or walk, and keep asking, what is it in life that's happening, that's led me here, and is it the same for all the people in this retreat? Do I have really anything going that's special? Really anything that's different? Than anybody else in this retreat, or anybody else in this neighborhood, or anybody else in Guatemala, or anybody else in Central and North America and South America. Do you see what I'm getting at? And if you bring yourself to a level of profound compassion for the state that not just human beings are in, but all creatures are in, that is the best preparation you can do for insight meditation, for liberation. Without it, you are what's traditionally called a Hinayana practitioner. You want liberation, but you're doing it without a basis. There's no compassion, and without compassion, uh, the full emergence of liberation is simply not possible. This is simply not; won't happen. And you always get sour. You know what I mean by sour? It's like milk, milk turning. It doesn't become yogurt. It becomes a drink that you don't want to even smell. It's kind of like being in retreat for weeks. And it's very stale. And you take a whiff of yourself. And you go, "Woo, It's gone stale. Why? The love and the compassion, not only for your being, for all beings, has gone out of it. And it's become a sterile I have to become enlightened. There's something wrong with me. I'm working to make myself better, and you're cranking it up like a toy, or like a some sort of object cranking it up, and you're getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, and it gets brittle, it gets very brittle. So we need to come back to the fundamental question of why anybody would even enter into a spiritual, awakening, liberative discipline. And why some beings simply don't, will not in their entire lifetime take it up. So we have to go, what is it that we're doing all day that causes enough discomfort to lead you here to ask and come to here and ask some very profound questions. If you don't do that, you go astray. It's simple. It's as simple as that. This must be the. It's the basis. What's the basis? So I'll propose to you not to say that what I'm saying is absolutely correct, but I'm just going to say it classically, based on uh, many, many thou- thousands of years of great masters is it's fundamentally straightforward. Beings experience very turbulent emotions, and although at times believe they're happy, really are in an illusory state of not knowing what actual happiness is. It's as fundamental as that. the When we say the word suffering, what we really mean is that the consciousness moment by moment by moment by moment by moment, without even knowing it, is imbued with a stream of delusion, of anger, of pride, of jealousy, of greed, of lust, of confusion, so often that becomes the normal operating mode of experience. Does that make sense? It becomes so invisible that for many, many beings, if you say this, they go, that's complete nonsense. But some of us know that you've experienced happiness, some moments of happiness, some moments of overwhelming, clear, effervescent, natural joy without anything. You don't need anything at all. Hmm? I think most of you in the room have have experienced that. You don't need an object. You don't need a place. You don't even need a mind. You don't even need you to be happy. Isn't that extraordinary? You need no self-referencer. Isn't that fantastic? You don't need any money. You don't need any great place. You could be anywhere. You could be walking along a beach. You could be lying in bed. You could be on a plane any time this effervescent, clear, bright, open state could arise, yes? That requires no object to pump it up. And yet, look at what's happening all day long in your life, or in our lives. What are we doing? Switching from one object to another object, why? Why? That's the fundamental question. I want you to work on that. Why the movement to one object, to another object, to another object, to another... Incessant busyness. Incessant mental play. Thinking, worrying, playing, whatever it is. Joking. It can be anything. Why? Why? What is the, What does the organism want? That's really what you wanted. What does the organism really, really want? Mm-hmm. So we talk about illusion and delusion. We're talking about a fabrication of cognition to stay happy, to find happiness, find f- some way of flailing about to bring to that beautiful state this a natural joyous effervescent place, and yet it's confused. It's so confused that people have wars, they murder each other, they steal from each other, they lie, they cheat. Do you follow what I'm saying? So normally, for you lovely beings, things are pretty good. But I want you to consider, I hope you read the newspapers, I hope you actually follow world news. It's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. The conflicted emotions that you have as little wavelets in you, and some of you big, yes? You look at the world stage today, for years, decades, decades, decades. Those conflicting emotions of greed, hatred, delusion, pride, and jealousy are going to tug millions of people into utter hell. And they're doing it right. It's happening right now. It's going to happen in the future. It's happened in the past. So when we use the word delusion, mass delusion, mass illusion, is very real. Because the poison, like viper's poison, is very serious. very serious if you realize the the, the depth of delusion in your being the depth of clinging, the depth of being tossed about on waves of thought and concepts you may come to a point as some of you have in this room maybe all of you you want to find a way out make sense? Okay. That's where compassion comes in. If you actually don't identify the root problem, which is flailing about, I like that. I mean, I really quite like that. Flailing about like this, you know, uh, you're treading water on the ocean or on the on the lake, and you don't know how to swim, but you're treading about, right? Just keeping your, for some people, eh, keeping their head just above water. Every once in a while, sinking and choking. But getting above, and every once in a while, floating, what could be better? And the wave comes by and <sniffs> flailing about, grabbing things, reaching, always reaching for something. Yeah? Like right now, the breeze is coming through. Oh. Adjust. The organism is cold. Too hot. Take the blanket off. Put it here, but you see, it's not so 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 much like that. If you use, if you apply really clear mind, you will see it's like this. It's that fast. Change, 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 change the channel. So who's done television meditation here? <laughs> have you done? Have you practiced television meditation? Fifty channels, hundred channels, seven hundred channels? Is any channel fully satisfying? How long? That's actually the state of cognition. The television today, with fifty channels, is actually a mirror of the normal state of cognition. <coughs> simply flitting from one object to another object, not comfortable in a natural effervescent, clear loving, compassionate way in a completely, what's the word? I like natural. Completely natural, man. And our job is to actually come to where we know, not just that we feel uh, joy and euphoria, but we actually get to know that state so well, that natural state so well, that becomes the natural placement of consciousness all day long, no matter what's happening. Hmm? If that doesn't get sorted if that view doesn't get sorted out, then meditation becomes a futile exercise of doing a technique, trying to be calm, but without any oomph. Do you know what I mean by oomph? You know all know oomph? Without any force So, many people today are sitting like this waiting for enlightenment to happen, right? Waiting. It's just simply not the way it's going to happen. Sometimes you need to have a placement of just letting yourself be, yes? But underneath that beautiful, gentle, loving state of being. You need a force to be reckoned with. Do you know what I mean by force? A force of view, a force of energy, of knowing where you're going. At least you've got a good view. It may not be perfect, but a good view of where you want to go, which keeps getting refined. That is actually what drive what, what liberates. It's important. That's why we go to teachers to hear that. What are we really hearing? The force of their willpower for the wish to awaken for all beings over and over and over and over again. Letting that flow into us, leaving traces in us, flavor in us, like a good meal. And then when you sit or stand or walk in meditation, That feeling of, I will, I shall, I can do this, is in you. So before we get to this thing about emptiness and contemplating illusion, we need to spend a day, we could spend years, but a day, really looking at our being and looking and contemplating others and going, what's driving it? Where is the pain? In the midst of extraordinary richness. Is it? Richness. You do, I think all of you know, I'm sure all of you know, maybe you don't, that when studies are done worldwide on happiness, That income, except for extreme, extreme poverty, we're talking extreme poverty, usually malnourishment and on your way to death. Income is not a measure of happiness. Okay? To be comfortable in your skin completely comfortable in your being is a rare and great gift. But how? How to do that? And if you think you're going to do it through meditation, then you've missed it. Meditation's the vehicle. Meditation is a way. But if without the view of where you're going and how you're doing it, and what it's for, it simply will not unfold. of like practicing some kind of sorcery. You must have a heart of compassion. And you have to have a heart of compassion for yourself and understand that every single being around you is in the same dilemma, flailing about, reaching for this teacher, this meditation, this idea, this Dharma text, this practice, this luxury villa this place of poverty, this concept, that concept, this idea, all day long. And never actually being truly happy. Does that make sense? Not truly happy. And yet we can have relative happiness, yes? Because we're told, what is relative happiness? This society tells us what it is to be happy. But go ask some people who are happy. And they may very well be honest with you and say, I'm not happy at all. As a matter of fact, many are miserable. What's the percentage probably, maybe not in this group, but it's possible, what's the percentage in North America of the likelihood of assembly of this many people who are now on antidepressants? What's the statistics? on some kind of medita- med- medication for anxiety or depression. What would it be? 70%. Can I hear some numbers? 70, 70%? 70 percent? 70 percent. Any others? 50. 50. Yeah, 20, 30, 40. I've actually had retreats when I've actually started to ask people, I go, oh my gosh, yes. we've got 30, 40% of the people in retreat are actually taking some kind of medication. This is quite something. Quite something. And we're talking about people that are relative to the rest of the planet. Super wealthy. Isn't that amazing? Super wealthy. Who are miserable. Miserable. Or periods of their life that are utterly miserable. Hmm? This is a very serious, very serious occasion, very serious um, situation. So I'm in no way promoting that you now get uh, heavy on yourselves and become depressed and go to your room and go, it's, it's futile. It isn't. It isn't. But you have to realize, you have to realize why you're here, what is the task, and actually reflect very carefully that this is not something about you. It's something about all sentient beings, all beings of intelligence, find themselves in a situation where they're treading in water. They're fighting for air. They're gasping. For what? To be truly happy. To be in a continuum of natural uh, happiness, free of emotional turmoil, and simply don't know how to do it. But the marketers love it. This is just great, right? It's a fantastic time for marketers. The next, the next cell phone, right? People lining up for the right, fighting, lining up and fighting for the next uh, 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 iPhone or iPad. What is it, sir? For uh, iPad. iPad or or iPhone, right? Quite something, isn't it? Then you have to believe. Now, there's another thing. Ask yourself: Do you? And and don't put yourself down for this. But you need to be honest with yourself. Do you actually feel, in your heart, that you can actually be free of this turmoil, and be of service to other beings and do that? That's something you need to ask, because a lot of Westerners simply don't believe they can do it. I meet all kinds of people. Westerners. Some were here last year, but all over, who go well? I'm meditating, but I never believe. And by the way, this is this is epidemic, especially in modern schools of body-centered therapy, Feldenkrais, Qi Gong, Tai Chi, um, psychotherapy, all kinds of things. Yes, yes, we know about uh, this thing called enlightenment, but we don't believe it. Even among major um, groups of medita- meditation groups, Buddhist meditation groups, you're, you're not even allowed to use the word enlightenment. In other words, yes, we know that maybe some great masters did that long time ago, or the Buddha did that, but we really don't believe that the dissolution of anger and delusion and jealousy and pride is actually what we're doing. We're just trying to be a little better. Just to kind of mitigate the states. This is not the project. If you do that, you actually stay uh, in quite a, as, as Namgyur Mishu would say, gray is the worst. The place of the place of gray is the worst. Yeah. But it's very important for you to understand that every single being here. If you really work at it, if you make that a life project, can have tremendous freedom, tremendous, tremendous mental, mental, um, physical freedom. Even if you're not well, even if you're physically not well, you can have extraordinary freedom. You have to just want to do it. You have to believe you can do it, and place your mind, your energies in that direction. You have to want it. You have to want it. You have to want it like a like a rabid dog. No, just kidding. No, intelligent talk. Okay. <coughs> if everything in society is telling you this is how to be happy people, places, objects, things, correct? It's, it's really you know the force of the marketing is huge, right? From from when you're born, the the mass teaching, the teaching of objects, people's place and things make you happy, will make you happy, is so massive. It's such a massive delusion that for you to come out of it, there's a possibility right now while I'm teaching, you're going yes, but yes, but. I, I, yes, I hear you, I believe you, but I could not. Or, I wonder if that's really true. You see? So there's three ways in which beings don't hear teachings of Dharma classically. Shall I give you the classic methods? Mm-hmm. It's quite something. So when I'm, when I'm teaching, there are beings, not like you, of course, these are just examples, <laughs> where the vessel that's receiving the teaching is turned upside down. Like a cup. I there's a cup here. Right? Instead of being like this, it's like this. So everything that falls on it actually doesn't get inside. It just falls off it. And the person's is going... But it's just shedding. And when they leave, they go... I think I heard something. <laughs> but nothing can actually get inside the container because it's actually turned up on its head. That I've met people like that. That level of delusion is extraordinary. I, I, for instance, I remember once, I'll give, an, I'll give you an example. I remember once being at the Dharma Center of Canada, and Namjor Rinpoche, my beloved root teacher, and root teacher of many people here, was giving a beautiful, beautiful teaching. It was extraordinary. It was lovely. And I had little misty tears in my eyes. It was just so glorious. And afterwards, I walked to the back, of the, to the entrance, and there was somebody there who was new, and I said, how did you find that? He said, I know that stuff. Yeah, I know that. I already know that. That's the, the cup upside down like this. Nothing goes in. Or, Yeah. And then we have another type of cup, and that's the cup that's like this, but it's got holes in it. You know, like the flower pots. It's got holes, and uh, teachings go in, but they don't actually stay in there. They just kind of <laughs> down there, like that, just like this, just like this. So teachings go in, and they just beep, just go in, boop, go in, beep. and then the most difficult one. That's actually almost okay. Especially if the holes are very small, like in, a, in the portafilter of a for a, for an espresso maker, you know, they're they're very tiny. They go through slowly. But but uh, if they're very big, well, they just... it's like the person that sits there in a class like this. How was it? I was oh, okay. Do you remember anything? No. And then we have the most difficult case because it is so silent and so invi- sometimes it's so obvious. But often it isn't. But sometimes it's very obvious. This is when the cup is open. You know that cup? Listening? But it's got poison in it. You see? So now you're adding beautiful water to the poison. And it's mixing around. So whatever you hear is tainted by your own views. You see? Instantly the views come up. Not even yes, but but hearing it, listening, reinterpreting it to your own views. You see how insidious this is? It's insidious. I like that word, insidious. Beautiful word. Because everything that's being heard is now being filtered and rearranged. According to the view that you hold, this would be normal, correct? But sometimes the being finds themselves in a state of irritation or anger, or the teacher... Uh, says something and it raises discomfort in your being. So what's going in is sloshing out. It can be jealousy, it can be all kinds of projections. Hmm? But the worst is a gray kind of taint which is sitting in the cup and everything is being tainted to the state of the being. You see, How do we get through that? How do we get through that? How do we get through that? It's a challenge. challenge. So the level by which one experiences the world, and you're going to find in this retreat that I'm going to slowly help you uh, become uncomfortable but eventually very blissful, I hope. <laughs> by realizing that by really, by not just by examples, but by you contemplating that the world that you experience, at all levels, is a constructed universe of ideas, of concepts, of wiring that actually has very little to do with reality. Hmm? And the conflicted emotions around that are so high, it causes great suffering. We need to and untangle it. Do you know? Untangle it. Like a ball of, uh, you've probably had this, yes? A ball of string or rope. It's often when we take, uh, if we go collecting plankton, we have um, polypropylene, uh, that yellow polypropylene rope, it's one of the worst for that. And you take it and you, you, you tie it up very well, you know, like this, and it gets on the bottom of the, of the boat or something, and you're trying to throw it over it's just all kinking up and becoming a ball. So you're out there ready to throw the net in the water to collect plankton, but now you've got a half an hour or 40 minutes just untangling the rope that you had all straightened out and nicely bundled, which has just opened up and now is curled and made itself into a a kinky mass. It's very, very difficult to see outside the box that we have constructed, not for ourselves by the way. Now you see this is where this is where you have to watch it as a Westerner. It's not such a problem for a traditional Easterner. But as a as a traditional Westerner, one of the things that we've been laced with, stirred into, beautifully mixed into without us even knowing, is what model, what idea, that we are flawed. That somehow, all the stuff, the suffering that we have, the neuroses, the patterns, is something that we've done. Right? Very rarely is it. The untangling is something you're going to be untangling for each other. All the untangling that you do, all the openness that you experience, all the purification of mind that you do, is actually purifying everybody around you. Very little of it's you, believe me. This is the biggest mass delusion of the 20th century. Self-immolation. Sit down and meditate, and immediately, I can't, I shouldn't, I won't, I'm flawed. But not... It was big today. So remember, what is it you're doing here? What is it you're doing here? We're on about liberation from afflictive emotions. If the teaching of Dharma is not on about the liberation of afflictive emotions, not only for yourself, but all sentient beings, it's flawed. And if you're meditating without that view... It's going to be a technique to feel a little better, but it actually doesn't really deliver you anywhere. I get to meet all kinds of people who've been meditating for a very long time that are so dissatisfied because they don't—they're not imbued with the view. Okay. So before we get to insight meditation on uh, these twelve examples of illusion. We really need to soak ourselves in why we're here and compassion for everyone, including yourself. This is the, this is the major work. It's compassion. Mm. Compassion, 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 compassion. So you're going to ask, well, what's the meditation? Mm. It's compassion, love. I love you to spend all day long tomorrow walking around, you can go into town, whatever you do, is I'd like you to spend the day imbued and developing a heart, by this I don't mean, I mean the whole physiology, of a feeling of kindness for all beings. Beings in this retreat, beings everywhere, everybody that you encounter, a really good feeling of connectivity, of support, contemplating how much they're supporting you. And then as you also contemplate what's happening in your own being, the conflicted emotions in your own being, contemplate and have compassion that all the people you see around you also have these states. You're not unique. Do you ever feel unique? Yeah? Unique? These are my states. No, 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 no. Billions of people, the same. Doesn't matter what you think about, it's the same. Almost every single moment is I, 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 I something. Me 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 we could do a whole retreat on you'd really get it really quickly if we did a whole retreat on a couple hundred thousand me me <laughs> me 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 i i i i i i i i i cuz that's exactly what's happening okay? and if you shed some tears i don't mind if you if you actually feel the enormity of the situation that intelligent Cogni- cognizing creatures find themselves in, and you shed some tears, I don't mind. I'd be very happy. Because you really have to get to the point where you go, this is worth coming out of. This is worth helping others come out of. That's what gives me such great joy teaching. And seeing people grow. And coming out of the difficult, twisted, confused states they're in. Shocking. Shocking. So teaching isn't the teaching and and some teachers are not always uh, laughing and "Mm -hmm, it's all great. Actually it's because they're blissful. But they also can be it can be quite stern. Why? Because it is sometimes very difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah? People really do twist themselves in knots. Very badly. Do you know that? You're not 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 you folks, but you know some friends, <laughs> relatives. I've seen it in a movie. In a movie. Yeah. yeah. Twisted? Really twisted? You knots? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first place to start, is the situation in which uh, intelligent so-called intelligent, cognizing creatures find themselves in and having a heart of compassion for the, the overwhelming state of confusion <coughs> and not knowing how to get out of it. Is there anybody in the room who can honestly say they've tried many different things? Many, many different things. And it simply doesn't work to bring themselves out of confusion. Yeah? Maybe not you. Do you know anybody? Yeah. You don't have to do any fancy meditation except develop, open your heart and really feel it. The mass, the enormity of the situation that beings are finding themselves in. The suffering it brings the planet is huge. And not just to human beings, but to other creatures. Right now, human beings are creating such a mass extinction as has been rarely seen on this planet. It only happens every few hundred million years, years is this level of mass extinction of other creatures. It's extraordinary. the pain and harm that greed, hatred, delusion cause other beings, not just human beings, is so massive on this planet. Yeah, And yet, walk around and see how many happy people there are. And how many people are doing wonderful things for each other. Yeah, This is good. But they're not free. Right? Do you see the difference? They're not free. Temporarily happy, smiling, Joyous, but not really free. They don't know what the root of happiness actually is. We'll talk about that maybe tomorrow. Okay. Any questions about that? So tomorrow, I would like, I would, I would dearly love, perhaps, if you're ready, uh, for um, yoga, which is for your loving kindness to become flexible, become fluid. Uh, Maybe I could have a bit of water. Is that possible? Something to drink? Someone who lives here? Is that possible? Any possibility of getting up early in the morning and having a session of yoga? Yeah. That's what we've been doing. Good. What time? <laughs> that's early eh that's what we have been doing oh, you've been doing well let's start moving it a little bit I'm, so I'm gonna give an evening class tomorrow well let's move let's start moving it a little bit so you have breakfast a bit earlier let's say uh, um, 8:30 tomorrow morning and uh, Nicolene if you would um, carry on with Qigong in the afternoon, and uh, a class uh, at uh, seven in the evening, and spend the day. I want you to. I want you to spend a day being so kind to yourself. I know this is going to sound weird, because we're going to do a lot of this in the retreat. Thank you. is I want you to be really kind to yourself. I don't necessarily want you sitting for a long period of time. I'd like you to go and just have a day of going from posture to posture, walking a bit, standing a bit, sitting a bit, and you can even sit like this. Some comfortable placement. And just feel feel contact, a good feeling, for someone who walks by, for some plants, for a dog, for a cat, for the land crabs. <laughs> if you can't do it for human beings, land crabs, you can start with land crabs. Or snails, or something like that, or a butterfly, or a bird, really. You might want to appreciate, have a heart of, of loving kindness, of kindness for the support uh, of this retreat. The kindness of, of Laurel to provide this, and Nicolina, and... Um, people maybe some people here are being supported to to be here and the kindness of that, the support, the generosity you might want to consider uh, the support and love of maybe family members or partner or friends that allow you to be here yes and extend it out. Let it seep through your let the oxytocin flow. okay turn on the oxytocin tap and and let it flow in you however you do that. Okay. If you want to do more yoga in the day, if you want to do some Feldenkrais, whatever you do. It can be Qigong, Tai Chi, I don't mind, Yantra Yoga, anything. Where you bring about a good, kind feeling in your being about you, and you can actually walk three or four meters <laughs> and feel kind in the world. When you make some food, you make a drink, you make a cup of tea, you're going, wow, it's good, I feel good. Yes, bring that about, bring that about. And every once in a while, sit, stand, walk, and contemplate the enormity, without without pounding yourself out, without becoming depressed, the enormity of the situation that human beings find themselves in. And how precious, this is harder for Westerners to do, this is very classic teaching, but Westerners, I'm not ever really sure they're getting it. Some is how precious it is to be a human being with intelligence and bodily health to be able to walk this path of liberation, how precious that is. To actually hear Dharma. You may not know it at this point, but I tell you, tears come to my eyes at times when I when I reflect on having been a human being on this planet to have met uh, teachers that have been able to impart Dharma and how that has changed this being's life and the life of other beings. Precious. Rare and precious. Very rare. Okay, That's plenty for tomorrow. That's plenty. You don't have to make yourself stiff but don't be too loose. Don't be too stiff, but don't be too lax. This be, just find a natural way of being. I couldn't even care less if you sat like this all day and just sipped a water or a good coffee. I don't care. Pina Colada. <laughs> <laughs> we need Kahlua for that? Pardon? We, we need Kahlua for that. Kahlua for that, yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a delightful story. I hope. I hope you. Maybe you will enjoy this. But many years ago, maybe 30 years ago, 20 years ago, I can't remember, uh, I'd, I'd just come out of a, a long retreat in New Zealand, and lo and behold, uh, Namgyal Pashai was showing up. He'd just come from the Antarctic, up from a boat trip. He's just showing up. I didn't know. Anyway, he's coming to Wangapaka to teach. So I just, just coming out of retreat. The Timing was perfect. Just finished, and he shows up and uh, the, the night before he was teaching he was asking me or, or we were, I think it was into a couple days one day of teaching he said to me we were talking about beer and I said well I, I found a great beer it's called uh, Triple Diamond it's really a dark beautiful um, ale I think so we, we, we had some and then he was teaching the next day and uh, he was sort of. this is a monk by the way okay it was a fully ordained monk so he's uh, finding people a little stiff in the class he's now teaching to this room full of people and uh, he said to me okay, tomorrow morning Mark, go out and get a couple of cases of that favorite beer that you talked about because I'm not teaching anymore so he walked out so I, I went and got cases. I think it was two cases of beer was another, <laughs> one bottle for each person and he, he said put them down there Open them up. He says, I am not teaching until you all have a good guzzle, because you're so stiff. So they had, everybody had to actually drink good this is a monk doing this, right? And then he said, Okay, now now I can I can teach. Stiff, stiff, stiff. So you must make yourself pliant. I'm not saying if you want to have a couple glasses of, of wine or, or whatever, I don't care what you do. As long as you're finding yourself Nat, finding a natural place of relaxed brightness, not dullness. A place where you feel relaxed, open, and fresh, and you can actually do this uh, um, practice of loving kindness. It's good. You don't have to tie yourself in knots. You don't have to sit originally. But the yoga and the Qi Kung or the Tai Chi helps. Uh, Feldenkrais, some Feldenkrais later. Uh, helps why loosens the knots loosens the knots loosens loosens Do you have any questions at all That's that's for tomorrow Maybe do you do maybe you don't. Yes What time is your Seven seven tomorrow night Yeah seven tomorrow night Whatever it was today was that good time Two Two, Two. Yeah, Two. yeah. The other thing that some of you may not know, has everybody been well you might not know this is an important point um, about doing retreats, is the more that you can develop a natural, not a stiff, robotic mindfulness, the better. This is key. The lack of talking is very important. So I think you all know this. This is going to be a silent retreat, as much as possible. Is silence in terms of retreat work is golden. It's it's very important. Non-interference. <coughs> but the more that you can slow yourself down, so that every single movement is seen. Reaching for a glass is slow. It may seem awkward at the beginning, but you want to slow everything down. And then the next day, slow it down again. And keep slowing it down and slowing it down, so that every head turning... And you'll see how important this is for the meditation we're going to do. It's vital. We want to get down to the 100-200 millisecond level of cognition to catch the discrepancies in cognition they're going to show you, oh my god reality is not what I thought it was we need to get down, we have to slow way way, way down okay, so start after this class walk slowly move slowly, when you get on your bed and you lay down, go real slow turn a light switch on very slowly, open the doorknob like this now, if there's people standing behind you, open it. But you might be going like this. Or like this. Really. Because if you don't do that, your cognition, your, your, your the, the speed of cognition is not going to slow down and you're not going to be able to carry out the kinds of uh, meditations I'm going to ask you to, to do. Okay, you'll be going way too fast, way too busy. Okay. Also, what going slow does is it slows down the breathing. As you slow down the breathing, it starts to affect the amount of inner chatter. Okay, you might find it. it you might find the inner chatter goes up at the beginning or for a while. That's because it was already there. Now you're going to notice it. Okay. So those are those are two just for tonight. Those are two: increase your mindfulness, slow way down, and every day or every half day, if you're going slow, slow down even more, like like a snail. And don't talk. Write more, write notes, and don't write too many notes. And uh, yeah, practice being kind. Yes. I'm wondering if I'm doing my meta practice. May all beings be happy. May I be happy. Summary, if that is stiff because it's kind of habitual for me. Yes, then you have to shake up the habitu- habitual. So you wouldn't recommend now might a meta? Oh, well, I, I may. If it's if it's coming out well, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful beautiful meditation. For instance, uh, may I be well and happy, which means you find. The pockets of happiness, the pockets of kindness in you, and then once you establish that, you wish it for all beings. Mm-hmm. But you can start with a few beings. That person, no, no, that person. Okay. Uh, and then you spread it out. But there's many methods of meta meditation. Uh, we can we can discuss that tomorrow night. But try to find one that's very simple, where you actually really contact a physical feeling. Of kindness, just a physical feeling. You don't, you know. For instance, for for some of us, for instance, like me, I don't I don't use anything but just the the experience. Nothing. But but for a long time, I practiced m- different methods of metta meditation. It could be chin raising meditation, some, something, uh, whatever brings about that contact in your being where you go, that is truly kind, that's truly loving and supportive for yourself and other beings. Okay. If it's being robotic, shake it up. Find another way. You don't mind. It's good. just Shake it up. Yeah. Because you can just be doing them. You can just be doing this thing. May I be well and happy. May I be well and happy. And it's just, it's just uh, words, words. Again, if you do something in Sanskrit or Tibetan, and you don't know what it means, words. But you know what I mean by loving kindness, yes? It's a real feeling. It's a real feeling in your organism that is truly kind and supportive and enveloping for for all beings. You know, some people don't know what that's like. In the same way that when they eat food, They don't actually eat food, they think food. You know hardly anybody eats food, you know that. People don't eat food. They conceptualize food. So in the same way, we have today people that conceptualize love and kindness, but they actually tell me they actually don't know what it means. But they practice it. But they don't actually contact it physically. It's not a flow. Or they get it with one person. Hello. They get it with one being, because only one being does it for them, but nobody else. You may find, some of you may find, that this retreat for you may turn out to be a month of developing loving-kindness, but hearing the teachings on emptiness and compassion. Do you mean? me? If, I'm not saying directing to this towards you, but maybe to, to others in the room. if you were to develop really beautiful contact of loving-kindness, deeply, in three weeks or a month. Hallelujah! Because it's so fundamental to all the meditation, all the spiritual work you'd ever do. So I don't mind. If you hear the teachings on the nature of illusion, great. Even if not so much happens in that, but you go, Wow, I had hours of kindness towards all beings or myself. Congratulations. Yeah. Classically speaking, you might be given a meditation, classically speaking, three months of non-stop loving-kindness practice come back to the teacher when the signs are really developed. You might need six months before we even go on to anything else. It's true. It's that important. That important. Some people spend years, years developing loving-kindness. Because it's so fundamental. Okay. Good. So, for instance, when when I don't know if you if you practice yoga, but if you do yoga or Qigong, or Feldenkrais, and you feel good, guess what that is? Physically good? That's loving kindness. Do you ever feel that? Mm-hmm. Just moments where you go, "Wow, I feel good." That's called loving kindness. What you want to do is gather that, so it gets ahead of steam. And you go, wow, you should do that too. You know as Westner. Wow, one half hour today of unbroken feeling, that physical feeling of not being in love, of loving kindness. Kindness. That beautiful feeling of just being open and friendly and supportive. Hmm? Do you feel? And then maybe the next day? Two minutes. Really? But the next day is one hour. And then maybe the next day is 15 minutes, and the next day is a three-hour stretch, and then you lose it all completely. And then it comes back up. You see? That's 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 worth that's worth a, a one-month retreat. Any other, any other questions? Is that, does that help a bit? Yeah. yeah. Do is something you know you may find there's something that you do that isn't called meditation, that really brings about beautiful loving kindness. There's something that you like to do, that when you do it, you go, wow, do I feel good. And I feel so friendly. But then when I sit in meditation, like this, I feel downright uptight and mad. <laughs> so that may not be what you should be doing. You see me? You should contact how the loving kindness comes about how the kindness comes about and then you can bring that into a posture hmm. maybe sitting by the side of the walkway there and watching a land crab and you go it was there in the absorption and the interest in the land crab for those for that minute full of loving kindness just interest completely there And how do we do that with a tree? How do we do that with someone walking by? Any others? Yes. Um, May I be filled with loving kindness? I am filled with loving kindness. Is there a difference in how we speak it to ourselves? Uh, Yes, you could. For instance, a a classic statement would be, May I be well and happy. well means healthy. May I be well and happy. And then once you, once you feel well and happy throughout your whole being, you've established that, okay, I am well and happy. You now know it. That's the difference, you see. It's important that you know it, not fuzzy. Now, we're going to get into this because this is deep. This has a lot to do with illusion. Are you sure you're well and happy? Do you know a lot of people don't know that? They actually don't have physical sensation anymore, so they don't know. It's that out of touch. But once you actually know that your being is whoa, you know, yes, I feel I feel well and happy. Then you go, May all beings be endowed, be you share that. May all beings, you wish all beings to have that that really good feeling. So, depending on... You know, you can rephrase it. But you keep it simple, keep it direct. Um, And then it can move towards compassion, which is, as I am free of suffering. Do you hear the difference? As you feel free of suffering, then you wish all beings to be free of suffering. Or a group of beings, and then a larger group of beings, and a larger group of beings, and a larger group of beings. I can get into more details tomorrow. But... Keep it really simple. Find it for yourself. I, I quite like that. Something very natural for yourself. Some people may not say anything because it gets in the way. Others need to say something. And saying something can be very powerful because it can direct it. Direct it really, really well. Any others? Good. I think that's plenty for tonight. I'm, anyways, I wanted to say I'm very happy to be here, uh, really happy to be here, but I'm also very happy t- uh, to put these, uh, this particular way of insight practice together, 12 examples, into one retreat for you. Because one of them, or two of them, or three of them, may land very, very deeply for you. As they once did, and still do, for me. Um, They're absolutely fundamental to all levels of meditation and they become critical to um, liberation. You'll see. Without, Without cutting and breaking through delusion, compassion doesn't grow. So this is where I want to end it tonight. You have to understand that to the degree that you experience emptiness, the empty nature of self and phenomena, the degree to which you open up and see the delusion, see the illusory nature of phenomena and self, is the degree that you, you open up and develop a heart of compassion. This is fundamental. Without it, your compassion simply doesn't grow. It's a artificial compassion. It's a one-dimensional compassion. The greater the insight, the greater the scope of compassion the greater the compassion the greater the scope of insight it goes it goes like this just like that open up more loving kindness greater capacity for clarity greater capacity for uh, insight vice versa yeah okay I'd like to have some people. I'd like to share the joys of. Um, does anybody here like coffee at all? <laughs> you know, we're in the land of coffee, and uh, might have some. Hopefully, have some of you over tomorrow for uh, some coffee. So, it'd be good. Good to see some of you and start having you over and saying hello tomorrow. We love us. By this powerful activity, may it lead to the cessation of suffering for all beings. Irande punyamang asawaki wahangho tu. Irande punyamang asawaki wahangho tu. Irande punyamang tu. May all beings be well and happy, and may all beings be established in a continuous freedom, the perfect union of wisdom and compassion.